Well, hello, everyone, and welcome again to Spring Hills. Glad you're here. My name is John. I'm one of the pastors here on staff. I get to do a lot of ministry with our youth and with our kids and, and other things here at the church, and I'm excited to bring you week five of our Relationships Matter series. I think you could agree that this has been an incredible series for so many reasons, but uh, really because, you know, God wants us to get our relationships right because they matter. That's kind of the whole idea. And, you know, God has shown us in Scripture, okay, uh, there's a right way and there's a wrong way on how we relate to one another, and uh, God wants us to get it right. And so He has shown us in the Scriptures how to have a right relationship with Him, but also how to have a right relationship with each other. And so um, God has uh, given us passages throughout the Bible to look at, and that's kind of what we've been doing with this series is taking a passage and, and then pulling from it what God would want us to know regarding our relationships, okay? What does He want us to know regarding our relationships? Because like I said, there's a right way and wrong way to do it, and uh, He wants us to get it right. So um, today we're going to dive back into that subject of relationships. Now let me ask you, um, you know, when it comes to relationships, what's, what's involved? Okay, there's a lot of things involved, right? You know, you've got all these different dynamics, and the Bible talks about many different subjects, and the thing that we're going to talk about today is the dynamic and the subject of our words. Ooh. Yeah, our words, right? Our words and how we speak to one another. To, specifically today, we're going to talk about how our words have the ability to significantly impact our relationships in a very real way. And uh, mom was right when she said, my mom's actually here this morning, uh, when she said, if you don't have anything nice to say, wow, you guys really know that one really good, right? How many of you know that uh, that relationship or that situation would have gone a whole lot better had you just kept your mouth quiet, right? Yeah, I mean, you know it and I know it. And that's the reality of relationships and the way we interact with each other, that it can get us into some trouble. We can stumble over our words. But how many of you guys also know that our words can be used in a way that can bring peace to a situation, that can bring grace and forgiveness, and, and, it, and it can be a unifying thing? And so words are powerful. And so for that reason, this is kind of where we're going to be uh, at today, and that is our words matter in relationships like a scalpel. Okay, they can heal or they can destroy. So here's the deal. We're going to be in James chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and get there now. And uh, as you do, let me just kind of set this up for you. The book of James is a wisdom book, okay? It, it's different than other letters in the New Testament where James is not introducing new doctrine or he's not teaching on theology of how we ought to think about God. It, it is really a book about <laughs> getting in your face, in your business as a Christian, okay? Uh, really kind of calling up the Christians to live out that which they believe, okay? He, he's really concerned about the Christian. If they say they're going to believe something and, and they believe in it, then their lives should be shaped by it, and therefore you should be able to see it in action. James is all about action. Let me, let me see 
how Christ has changed your life based on your relationship with Him and what you believe. And so if you wanted to say the Old Testament wisdom book was Proverbs, the New Testament wisdom book could be, or one of the places you could look to is the book of James. It's full of wisdom, and it, it challenges, and it, and it encourages us, but it reminds us of the super important things about the Christian life that, that really are important and that matter. And James talks about our words in chapter 3. So let's go ahead and go there, and uh, I'll read it to you. It says, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with a greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits in the mouths of, our, of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. It says, so also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. Verse 7, For every kind of beast and bird of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water." Let me pray together with you this morning. Lord, I just ask that uh, you would use this uh, passage to encourage us, to strengthen us, to correct us and train us, God. Uh, would you use it so that we might be able to know more about how to uh, live out our relationships and how we speak to each other that would honor and glorify you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Okay, so we're talking about relationships today, specifically about our words, okay? So I like to always look up different fun facts about the different things that we're talking about. And so I was looking at our words, and I, I learned a whole bunch about us as a people when it comes to our words. But the most interesting, most interesting thing that I came up with was that, did you know that one-fifth of your entire life is going to be spent with you talking? One-fifth. That's 20%. Now, some of you are kind of like nudging the person and saying, I think it's higher than one-fifth, <laughs> right? Because you know that there are some people in life that just really like to share their feelings, right? There are some people who like to give their input, and God bless those people, and we love them, and, you know, we go with it. But uh, maybe you're a, you're a man or woman of few words, you know, whatever it might be. That's kind of the average. And so here's my thought on all this is that if, if, if that's a pretty significant portion of our life, you would think then that God would have some things in Scripture that He would say, hey, here's how to do it right. Here's how you want to handle the words that you speak because they really matter. So let me give us a couple things that this passage talks about. Um, we got to answer this question then today. You know, how, 
Why do our, our words matter in our relationships? I'm going to give you three things that answer this question today. The first one is because God will hold you accountable for how you talk to people. Okay, so why are, why are the words that we say all that important to consider? Because you're going to be held accountable for how you speak to one another. This is what it says in the first verse. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with a greater strictness. So here, James starts out the conversation about words by going right after the teachers, preachers, and the the Bible study leaders uh, right away. Because he says, when you're going to go out on a limb and, and you're going to begin speaking for God, God takes that very seriously. And you're welcoming a stricter judgment upon yourself because you're, you're talking about the things of God. And when you're talking about the things of God, it's very important that you get it right. Now, the judgment that it's talking about here isn't about your salvation judgment, okay? We know that the gospel message is, is, is that we're saved by grace through our faith in Jesus Christ. It's not anything we do, but it's everything about what Jesus has done for us, right? So what this is talking about is more along the lines of the heavenly rewards that the servants of God would receive for their faithfulness on earth by doing the will of the Father as He leads them. So you've heard the phrase, well done, good and faithful servant. And so the, the strictness here is that it, you're welcoming a, a higher standard uh, to be considered when the judgment comes of, of the rewards that you'll receive for how you have lived this life. And so, you know, James basically says that if you're a teacher, then look, you're, you're welcoming this, this stricter judgment. And so, you know, I think you would agree with me that uh, we have a, an incredible gift in, you know, Pastor Brett being, you know, our main teacher and preacher here at the church, right? And so, with that amazing opportunity that he has to, you know, influence us and teach us, what did you think that with the amount of influence comes an amount of responsibility, and the amount of responsibility comes with an accountability, Right? You know, same thing for myself as I'm speaking to you. I'm going to be held accountable for how I handle this conversation with you as I, as I speak about what this passage says, which is why so many preachers and teachers and Bible study leaders, they put a lot of prep in because they don't want to get it wrong because we understand what this passage is saying. But even before James said these words, look at the words that Jesus said in Matthew chapter 12, verse 36 and 37. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. You know, where I go to immediately is Romans 10, verse 9. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved, right? But I also know about passages of Scripture where people harden their hearts and they don't confess Jesus as Lord and Savior. And as a result, you know, they go far from God. They go far from Him. And so the idea here is that we're going to give an account for every single word that we say. And because of that, we should be thinking twice about how we speak to one another. And the reality that James is saying here is that we don't always get it right we, we do stumble. This is what he says. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to bridle his whole body. All right? So James is saying, don't think that you are perfect or complete in your way of speech, that you lack things. There are times where you say things that you shouldn't. You insert yourself. You, 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 you know, talk in a way that 
makes others feel, you know, less than you, there's a pride aspect to it or there's, you know, an arrogance to it, you don't always get it right. We stumble in many ways. And the word perfect here in the Greek is best translated to the English for us as this idea of maturity or this idea of completeness in our relationship with the Lord. So, James is basically just making a connection here between the way you speak and your spiritual maturity. You see, like those who are able to control what they say tend to have a greater depth of spiritual maturity about themselves. They understand, you know, themselves and their relationship with God on a deeper level spiritually than maybe others who don't have the type of control over their tongue. It also says here that, you know, they stumble in many ways. They their whole body. So, like, the, the idea here is that if, if you have a hard time controlling your tongue, chances are you have a hard time controlling everything about your life. I mean, it's kind of just, like, connects to the whole idea here. And so, what are some ways that we stumble in our relationships when it comes to the words we say? All right? I've got a list here. You ready for it? You're like, ah, okay. Here's my list, okay? We stumble in many ways, okay? Uh, I got to find my list. Here we go. Gossip, okay? Gossip, slander, anger outburst, boasting, lying. Sometimes we lie because we're trying to, like, not hurt somebody, not give them the whole truth. But in the process of not giving them the whole truth, we're actually hurting them because we're not giving them the full picture of what the reality is. That can be very damaging. Cursing, criticism, verbal abuse, unwholesome talk complaining, betraying people's confidence, online commenting back and forth. (laughs) So often our relationships get funky because of something we said to somebody's face or because something we said behind their back. And here's a whole nother level to it all that I believe is backed up in Scripture that God knows the intentions of your heart. And He knows what words in your head that you're thinking about this person that you might be filtering And so he even knows those words, which is, you know, a reminder for us that it's so important not to be two different type of people in front of somebody, that if you have a certain belief or feeling about a situation, you be be truthful with someone. You you share the whole truth, not 95%, but 100% because there's still something going on inside. And God knows the intentions of every motive in your heart and what you're thinking. And so, because of that, we have to be mindful of the way that we talk to each other because you're going to be held accountable for how you speak to one another. The second thing is that the future of your relationship is determined by your words. That's kind of what the next passage of this uh, context is all about. It's talking about the fact that how you speak to one another will direct where your relationships go, the course of it, how it will go, if it will end, if it will last. This is what it says. If we put bits in the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. So you can see the analogy here that that James is saying that it has to deal with direction and it has to do with control and whether you go left or whether you go right. And so he's saying that the words that we use are much like that, that how we speak to one another controls where things go relationally. Chuck Swindoll put it this way about your tongue, this mere two-ounce slab of mucous membrane, it's kind of a weird way to put it, 
can legitimately boast of its disproportionate power to determine human destiny. Douglas Moo, who was a, uh, or is a writer and commentator of the Scriptures, wrote, if we can control our tongue, we can control our destiny. It's a pretty big claim. But I do think that it's backed up here with what James is saying as it goes to this idea of the direction of where things go. The wisdom here is that words matter and they lead us to favorable or unfavorable outcomes, especially in our relationships. So, teenagers in the room, where are you at? Okay, teenagers. Okay, let me talk to you for a second, okay? How you speak to mom and dad determines what you're doing this weekend, right? <laughs> Amen. <laughs> What you say and how you say it determines whether or not you're going to the mall and getting those shoes, right? Or getting your phone back, (laughs) right? There's a big element of respect and kindness with your words that leads towards opportunity, right? If you're married, how you speak to your spouse controls where that marriage goes and sadly, if that marriage lasts, right? I mean, it's so important, the words we say, it has a power of the control over where it goes. And I'm learning this very well with my kids. You know, as my kids get older and the way we interact with one another, the goal is that we stay close, right? And so the way we talk and the way I encourage and the way that we, you know, go through life and the way that we interact in our words matters. And so as they get older, I have to, I'm learning how to, how to connect with them verbally and help show them the right way and the wrong way. And I want to lead by example, You know, everybody here, we know what it's like, you know, to to speak to someone and it not go favorably. So how you speak at work or to your friends or to your family members, it controls where all of those relationships go. It's this basic proverb of, it's like, it's like a duh proverb where it's like, you speak kindly to people, your relationship is going really well. You speak poorly to people, your relationships go really well, like... Is there any more for us to talk about here? Uh, If for no other reason, the kicker for us to, you know, speak kindly to one another is that your relationships are filled with more joy and happiness. I mean, when you're not going well in your relationships and things are going wrong, I mean, it really is no fun. I mean, so the point here is that, look, you have a small bit in the mouth of a big animal, you can control it, small, big. You have a small rudder on a big ship, and you can control it, small, big, okay? Small tongue, okay, entire life. Uh, when I was living back in Stockton, uh, we used to go for walks, uh, and we had a dog. Anybody dog people here? Your dog people? Oh, yeah, Spring Hills, we're dog people, okay. All right, so uh, we had this dog. It was a boxer mastiff dog. I loved having Banner. He's a big dog. Anybody Marvel fans here? Marvel fans, okay. I got a couple Marvel fans, okay. Bruce Banner is the name of the Hulk, okay, so I named our dog Banner after the Hulk because he was like a big dog. Okay, so he's a boxer mastiff. And um, Tegan, uh, my oldest daughter, uh, used to go on walks with us uh, and wanted to walk Banner. And so here's a picture of her one day, a long time ago. She was probably two or three years old. Um, easily, there is a hundred pound difference between the two of them. Easily, okay. And this giant of a dog is literally being led wherever this little tiny multitasking little girl, okay, with her sippy cup, uh, is taking him. And where did Banner end up at the end of our walk? Exactly where Tegan brought him, okay? Tegan's so small, Banner is so big, and yet this 
picture is a reminder to us about our words and how important they are because they can lead and direct our relationships. If you aren't kind with your words, then friendships end. Marriages get divorced. Families divide. You get fired. But if your words are used in a good way that honor the Lord, then friendships get stronger and marriages will last in this sense. And then families can come together, which is kind of another great point that I want to bring up that falls underneath this theme that your tongue has the ability to direct the course of your life, but also kind of direct the course of other people's lives as well. And specifically, I'm thinking of those of you here in the room and online that have kids. You think about that. The Bible talks about how we as parents should talk to our kids. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4, it says, Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. Now, a father can't always be that figure to the kids, so moms step in also in that regard. But here specifically, he's talking to the dads. How many of you guys know that a word from a father means a whole lot? Not that the word of a mother doesn't mean a lot too, but here, I mean, we're just talking about fathers. Your parents, just in general, your, your words are so, so impactful. The word exasperate here means to discourage or to lose heart. So the idea here is, is how you're speaking to your kids. Is it in a way where you're constantly criticizing, correcting, picking at, focusing on the things that they get wrong versus the things that they get right? I want you to know as you do that, you're exasperating your kids. There's a way in which you can push down the spirit of your kids to a point where they get discouraged and they lose heart. You know, I think it's so important that our sons get this because we live in a crazy world. You know, our sons need to be shown and taught and instructed on what it means to be a man in our culture today. Because the world's, world's going to tell you one way, the scriptures show us another, and our sons need to be taught. What does it mean to be a man of God? What does it mean to live out a life surrendered to Jesus, following after Him? And, and here's the deal. If we don't talk to our kids about these things, they're going to get talked to from other places about these things. And I don't know about you, but I want to be that voice in my son's life. And, and I think about my daughters, too. I've got three little girls. And thinking about how much they need to be said or told, you're beautiful, you're lovely, you're amazing. God made you exactly the way He made you for a reason. He's got a plan. He's got a purpose for your life because here's what I'm learning too as I learn more about having daughters is that they need that. And if they don't get that from me, they're going to get that from somewhere else. And I don't want them to get that from somewhere else because just like with my son or with my daughters, they get that from somewhere else. I'm not sure where that's going to lead them. And it could lead them to regret it could lead them to relational destruction. And so for us, it's all the more important for us to remember our words have an impact on the destiny of other people's lives as well. You may never know the impact of your words until that one day when someone says, hey, when you said that to me, I just want you to know that that really made a difference for me. That really made me, that, that really encouraged me. Thank you for saying that. And you don't need to be a father or mother to do that. You can be anybody that has influence you know, or a position in someone's life to just speak, you know, speak encouragement and speak truth into people's lives. And so, 
you know, don't, don't forget about that other aspect of the whole destiny thing and direction that, that other people's lives get impacted by the words you say in their course and their direction. This is what it says in verse 5, so the tongue is also a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. James is just again kind of reiterating the idea that a small spark can create a large forest fire. A small part of our mouth can create a forest fire in our lives. Don't underestimate the size of your tongue and the damage that it can bring. Then in verse 6, it says, And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. You know, um, this last portion of this passage right here that says, set on fire by hell, the idea with this scripture that James is trying to communicate to us is that everything that God has created and intended as a good gift for you and me to experience and have in this life, for example, words, you know, words are a beautiful gift to share thoughts and have conversations and express ideas. Every good thing that God has intended for our blessing, the devil has tried to take and pervert. And as a result, the devil has perverted the tongue and has leveraged it for cursing as opposed to praising God. To a point where James is going to say, the tongue is virtually untamable. Look at what he says. He says, for every kind of beast and bird of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. About 10 years ago, I went to a wedding in Beverly Hills. Sounds pretty cool, right? Beverly Hills. I kid you not, we were in a $30 million mansion estate, okay? I'm not connected to that type of money, okay? My cousin is not connected to that type of money, but his fiance's dad knew a guy who was loaded, okay? And asked him if they could have their wedding in his backyard. And he was like, sure. And so I kid you not, like the buzz around the wedding was like, did you know that like, Ozzy Osbourne's house is right there over there? And, you know, Dr. Phil is right down over there. And so you're thinking like, this is just going to be a wedding for the ages. Like, I mean, you're in Beverly Hills. And so because of that, it's like, this is not your run-of-the-mill wedding. And so um, it definitely was not that at all. I, uh, I, um, I was taken aback after the ceremony when um, Kat, the fiance who's now the wife of my cousin, had all of these exotic animals brought out from around the side of the house to take pictures with the wedding party afterwards so that they could hang up these pictures. She was an animal lover in their home after, you know, their wedding so they could remember the day. She loved animals, so she wanted to take pictures of exotic animals. And some of you are like, you're lying, John. You're just, you're just using this for, I'm not. I got pictures to prove it. Check it out, okay? Here's one, like an exotic owl just like hanging out on the wrist of the, the wedding couple. The, the, that's the family right there. Uh, there. Here's a lemur, okay? Just a, just a lemur kind of just saying, hey, why am I in this picture right now? Uh, could you please explain to me? And then this picture here is where everyone started like paying attention like, oh my gosh, uh, here it is. It's a wild animal, everybody. Okay, that's an alligator just hanging out 
with the wedding party, okay? What they said after this was, um, hey, we got great news. If you would like to take pictures with all these animals after the wedding party does, they're going to be out at the reception for you to take photos with. So what's my initial immediate thought? I got to get a picture with the alligator, right? I mean, you got to. And at that point in my life, I was, I was always thinking, you know, what can I get for my Instagram? I want to get a picture from my Instagram and show everybody. I'm not so much into that anymore. But um, I did it, and I couldn't do it alone, okay? My wife wouldn't go with me, so when she wasn't looking, I took my daughter. <laughs> and she, she's also thinking, what am I doing in this picture? <laughs> But I kid you not that that wild animal right there did not move for three hours. Just stayed right there. Three hours. And you think to yourself, John, what the heck are you doing? That's a wild animal right there. I'll tell you what, that animal is more tame than your tongue. That animal has the ability to follow instructions better than your mouth can. Because that animal was taught just stay there. And it listens. Our mouth doesn't always listen to us. You know that you shouldn't say it, but you say it in, even though you know you shouldn't. Matt Chandler, he's talking about, um, you know, I was looking through some of the things he was saying. He's a pastor in Texas and uh, talking about the idea of how do we tame the tongue, right? Because if, if, if James is saying that the tongue is something that is untamable. How, how, do we, how do we begin attacking this to kind of work through the way that we speak to each other? And this is what he says. He says, the work of taming the tongue takes us right into the epicenter of all that's wrong with us, and that's our hearts. And, and the reason why it's so important that we think about the way that we talk to each other is because of what Jesus said here. The mouth speaks what the heart is full of. And so when you're talking to another person, it's not just your words that are exchanging thoughts and ideas. It's one heart saying to another heart, this is what I think about you. It's one heart to another heart sharing some of the deepest hurts and pains and things that they're going through. And the idea here that Jesus is saying is that the only way to change your words is for your heart to be changed. And the only way for our hearts to be changed is for Jesus to change them. The only way that you and I can have any hope in this life of having a control over our words is through the power of the Holy Spirit working in us, and that only is in a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so the last thing that I want you to think about this morning is this, that Relationships are meant to bring glory to God. Relationships are meant to, be, to bring glory to God. This is what it says in verse 9 and 10. With it, meaning our mouth, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. And so the teaching here is that there's a choice involved. You can use your words for the highest calling, which is to praise our Lord and Father, to forgive, to share hope in Christ, to pray, but our mouths can also be used at the same time for the greatest evil, which is to go against another. 
And the zinger in this for the Christian is the very last line. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. He says, what are you doing? This is where James kind of gets in your face, kind of gets in your business a little bit. He says, you praise God with your mouth, and then you walk out these doors, and you use that mouth to break down one who's made in the likeness of the one that you just praised. Think about that. And so what he's saying is you should not have a vocabulary that you use at church or in your small group and then go home to a family and use a completely different type of vocabulary or go to work or be with this friend group or that friend group because your words ultimately are intended to bring glory to the one who gave you the ability to speak. Your mouth belongs to God. The way you speak, he's going to hold you accountable for. So when you speak... May it be something that brings glory to the Creator, to the God of the universe. And then what it says in the last two verses, does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. James is driving home this point even further that our words should be consistent when it comes to glorifying God. Uh, Verse 11, the spring would be the representation of our mouth, and the fresh water would be the representation of praise. The salt water would be the representation of cursing. So do not let praise and cursing come out of the same source. Um, When I was in Stockton, there was this... um, there was this guy who's been in ministry for a really long time, and he was semi-retired, but every now and again he'd come out of his retirement and he would preach. And uh, every single time he preached a message, he would get up front and he would say, Psalm 19, verse 14. And he would say, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. If you're kind of looking for a compass this morning about, okay, Where do I need to look to when it comes to how I speak? I I need some encouragement. I need some direction. Well, let this be your prayer this morning. May your words be acceptable in the sight of the Lord. And and if you're like me this morning, you're thinking to yourself, well, how does that that work? Well, you know, how it works is something's got to change on the inside. You know, Jesus said that what our heart's full of, our mouths will speak. And so... The reality to all this is that your words will never change completely until your life is changed by Jesus. And we get to celebrate that today in baptism, which is exciting. You know, we can walk out these doors and we can be very intentional and rigorous about, okay, I'm only going to say nice things. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. And how long do those, you know, resolutions last? About a day. Dang it, I messed up today, Right? But if you're looking for long-lasting change in your words, then look no further than Jesus who can change your heart, which can change the way that you speak to one another. That's the, that's the gospel element to everything that James is saying here is that you need Christ to help you with this untamable thing, the Holy Spirit working in you. You need a relationship with Jesus to get your words right in your relationships with each other. And Jesus is willing to change your heart. The question is, are you willing to be cooperative with what he's doing in your life to change you, to mold you,
to make you into a more devoted, fully follower of Him. And so, um, maybe today you've made these thoughts come to your mind of like, okay, I need to do, I, I really need to lean into Jesus more from this point on, and I'm going to really think through how I speak to each other. But maybe you're also thinking to yourself about the past and like, I messed up here and I messed up there and, you know, I, I made a mess over here with my words. And so the good news is that, you know, you're forgiven for those things. God has room in his grace for every single past, present, future sin that we have. And maybe the application point for you this morning is to just simply um, pray through how you can approach the person that you have spoken wrongly to and seek the peace among the two of you. You know, the Lord will lead you and the Lord will guide you. He'll direct you and he'll show you. He'll even give you the words to say. The Spirit will, will, will encourage you in that. But just be humble in your approach towards speaking to each other, especially if you've done it wrongly and, and accept that responsibility and then... You know, from that point on, just really commit your mouth to, you know, honoring the Lord. And when you don't get it right and you stumble, you just remember what Jesus has done for you. And if you're here this morning and you don't know what it's like to have a changed heart because you don't have a relationship with Jesus, then the good news is Jesus can change your heart today when your words are that you want him to come into your life. You want to put your trust in him. And I'm going to give you the opportunity to do that here this morning. So let's pray. Lord, thank you for today and thank you for this good word on relationships. I pray that you would be with those here uh, in this room and listening online who um, are really um, feeling a lot of regret for the way that they've spoken to people in the past and the way it's impacted their relationships. So God, I pray that you would give them discernment and wisdom on how they ought to move forward. And um, I pray that you would give them strength to really lean in and be led by you in the future as they speak words. And God, for the person in this room whose heart is not changed, whose heart is still bent towards doing their own will and being uh, focused on themselves, God, I pray that uh, you would reach into their life and you would show them your kindness and your goodness and the word that you have for them today, that you love them and that you want a relationship with them. And so if that's you, you want to have a relationship with Jesus today, and you want your heart to be changed, then it's simply using words to express your heart's desire, which is, Jesus, I recognize that I am a sinner, that I am far from you on my own, and that I'm only... In believing in you, can I find true peace and rest? And I want to put my trust in you. And I ask that you would forgive me of my sin. I believe that you died on the cross for me and took my place. And as a result, you've given me new life to walk in. God, I just pray that you would help us to be a people. Would Spring Hills Church, God, would just be a people marked by the way that we speak to one another that lifts each other up, that encourages one another, that brings glory to you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.